scripture reading is found in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 to 22. I invite you to stand as we read God's word. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Please be seated. In whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Before I begin, I want to invite Marianne to come up here. We weren't able to present this at her baptism two weeks ago, but we have her baptismal certificate. I believe she's making arrangements for Fred to take a picture. But Fred, come on a little closer here. You don't have to. Yeah, we need a close-up shot here, Fred. So we want to present you with your baptismal certificate. And this was signed by Pat Medetti. Yeah, we made sure. We made sure. No. Thank you, Pat. Yeah, no, what, uh, what I did was... Uh, I think it was the Sabbath before you were baptized. I told Pat, I says, um, we're making a special. I'll make. I'll go to your house, but I want your signature on that. So, and this is uh, the book Steps to Christ, a leather-bound edition. Uh, the Arizona Conference. When I was first baptized, I, that was what I received from the conference, and this is from the church. Um, the, we'll also be getting a membership to the visitor, or no, the gleaner which is our union paper, which talks about all the activities uh, that go on in the Atlantic Union, which includes New York, Maine, Massachusetts, Vermont, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, Connecticut, and New York City, and Bermuda. So that's the, that's the territory. So with all this snowy weather out here, if you feel a little chilly, you know, find out what's going on in Bermuda. But uh, that's, uh, so congratulations again. Yes, you're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Sure. Okay. Congratulations again. Yeah. Thank you all very much. Amen. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, today's message is a continuation of the series on Ephesians, and uh, the scripture reading for today is just wrapping up chapter two. So we've got a long ways to go. Ephesians has six chapters in all, and of course they're not chapters like a, a regular book, very brief readings, but nonetheless, it's a very powerful book and it has application today. Laura appreciates the special music, it fits in quite well with the message, and also a post-baptismal message for Marianne, but really for all of us, just as a reminder. So today's message is, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. That's taken from the passage itself that we'll be looking at. Before we go on, though, I want to welcome our online audience. We're so grateful to have you joining us to worship. And so you can find us at the location where you're looking at. You might be watching on Facebook. It might be on YouTube. It might be at our church website, MiddletownPortlandSDA.org. And just want to remind you that if you can find more messages like this at the church website or I have a, a personal 
YouTube page, uh, YouTube channel called Path of Prophecy, and I'm producing exclusive content right there. So those are just some reminders and encouragement for you to go and visit those sites. And let's begin with a word of prayer. Father God, we want to thank you for your mercies and how you have invited us into your fellowship. It's my prayer that the grace and the power of your Holy Spirit would be here with us as we open your word and that our hearts would be open to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You are no longer strangers and foreigners. I would venture to say that every one of us has a story to tell if we are not the first generation uh, or the or first-time people to this nation. Uh, the United States is a nation of immigrants. People have come from all over the world to become citizens here. I know that uh, one of the stories from my family history, my father's father, who was born in Poland, and he came here years ago. The story that I was told is that uh, apparently there was many children in his family, and his parents could not make ends meet, so they sold him into I guess, slavery, indentured, indentured servant. And uh, so my grandfather was sold off to somebody to work for them, and he could only come back to the see the family at Christmas time. And when he became of age, he was then, even though he was of Polish descent, he was conscripted into the Russian army. And so he was forced to fight for the Russians. But apparently he didn't like it too well. And so what he did was, when he was given leave to come visit his family, he said goodbye to his family, and he made his way to America. And so he became a stranger, and he was a foreigner here in America. And up on the screen, you have a picture of some group of immigrants that were, I guess, eating or something at Ellis Island or being checked in over there. But the point is, is that all of us at one time have been a stranger or an alien, whether to this nation through our family ancestry, or maybe we were at a school for the first time and we felt out of place, out of comfort. Maybe we moved into a new neighborhood, but we were strangers and aliens there. And so what I want to do for you is just invite you to turn to the scriptures. Fred had read to us just a few moments ago, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. It says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Of course, Paul here is talking that not talking about citizenship in a particular nation. He's talking about citizenship, being a member of the family of God, being a member of the household of God, and all that that entails, all that that brings with it. Because prior to this time, and this was from the scripture reading that we had just two weeks ago, Ephesians chapter 2, Paul was talking about the difference that the gospel makes, particularly as it relates to the nations. And when I preached here two weeks ago, he was talking about the distinctions between the Jews and the Gentiles, between the circumcised and the uncircumcised. And what he's doing here at this particular portion of the scriptures is he's addressing the Gentiles and basically opening the door for them and opening the way for them so that they understand 
that they too are part of God's heritage just as much as the Jews were. In other words, they're on equal footing. They are not second-class citizens, but they are first-class citizens. And so when we, here 2,000 years later, when we choose to accept Christ and to be baptized, we too are no longer strangers and foreigners to, 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 to God Himself, but rather we are adopted into the family of God. Notice the language. He says, now therefore, and this is, he's referencing everything that had been written prior. Therefore, because of what Christ has done for us, we are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Folks, when uh, over the years that I've been pastoring, I've had the privilege of just be, you know, having church members in the faith communities that I've pastored. Uh, one most recently was the last district, Connecticut Valley Church. There was a, a gentleman by the, the, the Hay family. And uh, Jennifer Hay's husband, his name is drawing, my mind is drawing a blank right now uh, as to his name. But he was a Jamaican citizen, but he became an American citizen while he was here just a few years ago when he, they've now moved on to Texas. But when he was here, he told me about the citizenship ceremony that he participated in and how he had, uh, had to take the oath of citizenship and they had a special ceremony and he was just thrilled to become an American citizen. And so there's a process for that. There's an education process. There's a test that is involved with that. But ultimately, all who want to become citizens are given that opportunity. Okay. Well, the same is with becoming a member of the household of God. There's a time of study. There's a time, of course, to make that personal choice. But ultimately, baptism is the way in which people enter in through into membership of the household of God, which is what we saw just two weeks ago with Sister Pierce, making that decision and then following through with it and entering the waters of baptism. So that's how folks can become, know, make that transition from becoming strangers and foreigners to becoming citizens of the household of God. But once they do that, what is it that awaits them? What is it that awaits them? Well, the scripture passage goes on, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. When we become members of the household of God, we become members of the church. Okay? And we are placed as part of this overall structure, for lack of a better term, of the body of believers at a certain point in earth's history the church itself is built on the foundation of jesus christ being the chief cornerstone and then what follows is the prophets and the apostles afterwards and then we have our individual place and role to play within the body of believers and just to let you know this is uh, some pictures of some house foundations really interesting an average house weighs about 50 tons. 
and therefore it needs a foundation so that it can stand on because a good foundation will prevent the house from shifting, from sinking, or from tilting. Okay, all of these can be problems if the building, whether it's a house or a, uh, a skyscraper, from preventing it from having problems later on. And so the idea is to build on a good foundation. And for the members of the household of God, the church itself stands on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And so we have uh, reason to believe that the church will be able to go through any crisis. And in fact, if we look back at history, we see that the church has already endured 2,000 years of history. And we think all that has entailed. Sometimes, yes, the church has fallen short and failed to stand up for righteousness or do certain things. But ultimately, the church does prevail. It overcomes. It learns from them. It is willing to, hopefully the church is willing to be corrected. And so just like the churches that were described in Paul, in uh, the, the book of Revelation, we have these seven letters that go out to the churches. They're addressed in that fashion because those churches had problems. They were going through certain issues and dealing with certain crises. But the idea being is that the letters were written so that the church would make those corrections. And that's the same. It's no different for us today. If we have the foundation, like uh, Fred was pointing out to us, if we stand on the B-I-B-L-E, the Bible, then we can go to the Bible and be corrected in our understanding of things and uh, advance. But the minute that we put this book away and say, well, I'd rather listen to the words of men or just follow a tradition, then we end up on shifting sand. We end up on sinking. So Paul goes on to say that in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Oftentimes when we think of the church, we think of a building, we think of a structure itself, a physical plant. And I'm, I'm trying to do this in my own vocabulary because I don't like to use the word church for the physical building. I'm trying to use maybe uh, the house of worship or the church address where the church meets, but I try not to use the word church, uh, because the church really refers to the people. And we can uh, think about it in these terms. We go to Exodus chapter 25, verse 8. Exodus chapter 25, verse 8 tells us of some instructions that Moses received from God. And it says in Exodus chapter 25, verse 8, where God told Moses, Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. It was God's desire always to be with His people. That's how close God wants to be with us. And when the children of Israel left Egypt, God, of course, led them by the pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day. But there came a point in time where He wanted to have a, a more visible presence with them and so he instructed Moses, make me a sanctuary so that I can dwell there with them. And so instructions were given. And that, of course, is just an artist's rendition of what that a little cutaway of the different apartments 
of the sanctuary. But here's why, or here's what God ultimately wanted for all of His people. This is from Leviticus chapter 20, verse 7. And the book of Leviticus is a book of the Old Testament that deals with the instructions that were specific to the priesthood of, of the, uh, the people of Old Testament history. And here's one of the statements, Levit Leviticus chapter 20, verse 7. It says, Consecrate yourselves therefore and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. And one of the themes that runs throughout the book of Leviticus is this idea of holiness to the Lord. Holiness to the Lord. And that, of course, was the instructions for the priests. But that same theme is then taken from the book of Leviticus and applied to the overall priesthood of all believers. You can find that in First Peter where uh, Peter says that we are to be holy to the Lord. And it's no longer just exclusive to the priesthood, but everybody is called to that standard. So, going on to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul tells this to the Corinthian believers. And here, the Corinthians were having some difficulties, some challenges with uh, some moral issues, and uh, some folks were... Uh, visiting some places that they and, and uh, interacting with people that they shouldn't have, and uh, that's putting it mildly. To put it a little more bluntly, they were visiting prostitutes. Okay, and and there was uh, this type of behavior that was going on. So Paul was bringing some correction to them, and he says this: Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? And you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And so what Paul is telling the Corinthian believers is that, look, there's a certain way we are to carry ourselves. There's a certain way in which we are to live our lives because we were purchased. We were bought with a price. And our body itself is the temple of the Lord. Because God Himself wants to dwell with us. God dwelt with the people of Israel in the Old Testament in a physical uh, structure so that they could learn the plan of salvation. But the idea now is that because of what Christ has done for us, He's redeemed each and every one of us personally, that He invites us to allow Him to dwell with us personally. So, getting back to our scripture passage, it says, In whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. And this goes back to what I said earlier, is that when we think of church, typically we think of the physical plant. We think of building. But we have to remember that the church is the people of God. Okay. Now we look around ourselves here, and we can look at numbers, and we say, "Well, what has happened to the church?" Church is uh, there's not that many of us. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten of us here. Seems like it's a small church. Oh yes. It is, okay? But we fail to realize 
that the church is people, so we actually have people online worshiping with us as well. And so it's not just what we visibly have here, but there's others who are watching online. There's a uh, an individual uh, partner in ministry with uh, Rico Hill. I can't think of his name. Fred, you might know his name, the gentleman down in Georgia, but he has a church member. He pastors a church in Georgia, but he has a church member out in California or Texas who's a truck driver. Okay? So it helps us to understand when we think of how God intends us for un to understand the church, that the church is people, so it helps us to that we can understand how better to see how the mission of the church can carry on and function, because it's not just a physical plan. And so when we go back to the scripture reading, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. You know, we may look at this picture. We see these this picture that I shared with you earlier. Picture of immigrants, people who are uh, were foreigners. They came from overseas to come to this country for whatever reason, for economic benefits, for religious freedom, or whatever their reasoning was. Family was here, and so they said, it's time for us to come over. Okay. But for whatever reason, these people came. But when they first arrived, they were strangers and they were foreigners. But when we become a member of the household of God, we become part of the dwelling place of God in the Spirit. We have to think of it outside of those terms because many times people think of, as I said earlier, the church, the church. And, you know, folks say, well, you know, God dwells in the church. Well, yes, but it's not the physical plant here because when we turn off the lights and turn off the heat does God just sit here all by himself until we meet again no he dwells with us because we are the ones who were purchased we are the ones he paid that price for we are the ones as Laura saying that he was broken and he his life was spilled out for us not for the physical building, but for us as a people. And through us as a people, God uses us to be his hands and his feet throughout the world. So, Marianne, welcome again. Welcome again into the household of God. And we pray that our all of our faith walk experience as we walk together would be a very rich experience. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I want to thank you that we have your word that instructs us as to who we are, that we are the body of Christ. We are the living body of Christ. You dwell with us. It's my prayer that the power of your Holy Spirit would be here with us. And yes, though we are few in numbers, we would be considered a small church, even though the physical plant can hold much more. It's my prayer that you would help us to grow day by day, hour by hour, as we feed on your word. We pray that you would pour out your spirit upon us and that what is shared here would feed many precious souls who are longing to belong to something greater, who find themselves more and more as strangers and foreigners in this world. So it's my prayer that as we 
conclude this worship service, that your blessing would be with us. Thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you.